Welcome to the heartland of the Jesus Name Pentecostals, the Louisiana District of the United Pentecostal Church Tape Ministry. Tapes may be obtained by writing Tape Ministry, P.O. Box 248, Tioga, Louisiana 71477. Let the tape roll. May you be blessed by this ministry to the glory of God. the Lord. Hmm, did y'all feel the power? Thank you, brother husband. I'd like to introduce myself today. My name is, my first name is Always. My second name is Wright. My, <laughs> you know me by just Sister Tenny, but I'm, you know me by just Sister Tenny, but I'm always right, Sister Tenny. Well, it sounded good anyway. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. I give honor to my husband, first of all, for his leadership, not only in this district and in the United Pentecostal Church, but even beyond the United Pentecostal Church. But I give him honor for being the man of God, the priest of our home. And he has been what he is in public. He is that at home. In fact, he is more so. Somebody said to me today, said, have you ever heard him preach a bad sermon? I said, no, I haven't. I've never even heard him preach a stale sermon. And I've heard him for many years. And the reason being is he practices what he preaches. And that is his personal time with Jesus Christ is always a priority. Always a priority. I've seen him come in. Now, mine's in the morning. But I've seen him come in at 1, 2 o'clock at night, in the morning, late night, and not lay his head on his pillow until he had had his portion of the word and a time of prayer. He dedicated himself to that when he was 15 years old, and it still goes. That's top priority. So I give him much honor today. He has helped mold me, and he has also given me liberty to become and I appreciate that. And then for all of the the uh, committee, Brother Dean has been wonderful. Brother Dean, you are awesome to lead. I, I ever, he just got just a little bit smart, Sister Mangan. Yeah, he said, that's the year I was born when he found out the year I got married. Now, you know, that was not very nice. <laughs> but, uh, but isn't it wonderful? Here I am speaking on this program. I married the year he was born, but hasn't he become an awesome leader of our men? And I appreciate that. And to all of our district officials, our board members that are here, our missionaries, and to Brother and Sister Mangan that will be following me, this is a comfortable position. Aren't you happy that I'm first? I am. I would hate to be the last one. 
after Brother and Sister Mangan got through with y'all. So I am very, very grateful for this position to be first, and then they will follow. And it also is a very comfortable thing because I really don't have to worry much about what I'm going to say. They're going to take care of it anyway. <laughs> and it gives me the opportunity to say to you the things that, that I really feel I want to say. And I, I know that it's going to blend together and culminate in a, a great speaking of God to us. I am not going to preach not even going to speak in probably the usual manner in which I would at a meeting. I am just going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you, and if it has a topic, and I'm not sure I've toyed with this idea, but I want to talk to you about intentional praying. Intentional praying. It's not really a text, but um, the thought of making this a focus came about when I read where a church was evaluating its, its operation. And they were going through their whole plan of church growth and nurturing and all of the things they were going to do. And suddenly somebody said, well, where is prayer? Well, the pastor said, well, prayer is implied in everything we do, which was a very honest answer and a very sincere answer. But they had very strategic plans for reaching people, for organizing, for programming, for advertising, for music, for everything. But there was no intentional plan for prayer. And you know, it would be easy for us to condemn them. They are a denominational church until you read what they did and they completely rearranged their entire church program until where prayer is at the center and everything feeds out from prayer. They have even established a college of prayer where people go through three years of intense training and in learning about prayer. Now, can you imagine studying prayer for three years? Of course you could, if you really think about prayer. But when I compare, and I'm going to just, I, I'm talking to you. I'm just going to be honest. Now you talk about, you're all nodding. Yeah, yeah, three, oh, yes, sir, three years of prayer. Um, do you run out of something to pray after 30 minutes? So uh, we may need to talk about intentional prayer. Intentional prayer. Because we do, we often imply that prayer is a major part. But I fear, and this is not going to be a hyped message, so you're not going to be jumping up and down. Uh, Sister Mangan can take care of that, Brother Mangan. But I, I fear that we talk big about prayer, but we act little with prayer. I have been very observant over the last several months, and I see many times where churches spend more time in taking requests and telling about needs than we do in praying. Now, I know that God doesn't need a thorough explanation, but it seems that we've kind of got things just a little bit mixed up here. I want us to think and rethink where is prayer in the life of our church? 
Where is prayer in our personal life? Are we intentionally praying? Are we just implying and going through? And you know, we have a bad case of the blessings. We just bless this one and bless that one and bless the other one and bless this and bless the pastor and bless the church and bless the missionaries and bless Brother Urshan and bless... What are, you, what are you blessing them for? What do they need? Jesus said very pointedly, you ask. You know, I'm not against blessings. I believe strongly in blessings, but I don't think that real blessing of people is just a lazy way of feeling good about the fact that you call somebody's name in prayer. Well, I've already hung my hook, as my husband would say. Prayer was very intentional in the scripture. There are, there are 667 recorded prayers. 667. Jesus' example of prayer was very clear. He was a man of prayer by example. He prayed alone and he prayed with others. And you will see that when he prayed, and all the prayers that are recorded in the scripture are very intentional prayers. They are specific. They're to the point. They have a good foundation, and we'll talk maybe more about that later. But they, when you have read one of the prayers of the Bible, you know exactly what the intention was. So I want us to look at prayer from this point of view. Not only that, but of course, John taught prayer. He taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus presumed when he said, when you pray, he presumed that we would be praying. Now, I am not here to say that we are not a praying people. I do not believe that. I believe I am looking at a group of men who value prayer. And if we were going to be stripped of prayer, it would frighten us out of our wits. We do pray, but sometimes we may not be praying intentionally. And we may be implying a lot of prayer. A number of years ago, I became so convicted because people were always saying, remember me in prayer. And people would respond, yes, I'll remember you in prayer. And I wondered how many of them did it. Now, that's implied prayer. You're implying that somewhere down the line, somewhere may pray for you. But that, you know, prayer is more important than that. The only thing that is in greater abundance to the church from God himself is grace. Other than that, prayer is the most abundant blessing that we have. Because prayer can do anything, can go anywhere, can touch anything. And yet we leave it kind of hanging. It, I, I, I don't know even how, how to express this, this at my best today. I'm, I may not. But I want to talk to you about some of the things that are happening in the world today. Dr. Edwin Orr, and some of you have heard me say this before, but I have studied several of the things that he has had to say because he is the most profound historian on revival of our time. He has studied all of revivals back for the many, many, many years. And he said that when God is about to do something great, he always sets his people to praying. Well, now this is happening. It's happening in our world. There is the greatest prayer movement on in the world right now 
than ever in the history of man. The prayer movement that is in the world today exceeds the days of the apostles by great numbers because the population is stronger, bigger, more people. But there is an awesome, awesome movement of prayer today. Some of you may have heard me say this, but for those that didn't, there were 10,000 people last year, last fall, who paid their way out of their own pocket to go into the Muslim world, not for a singing, not to hear preaching. They didn't even pass out a tract. They went there to pray because to them, prayer is not an implication of life. It is an intention and an intentional thing of their life. They went and walked the streets in the nations all of the Muslim world where it is against the law to preach. It is against the law to take tracts. You cannot go in with a crusade. But they could go in as a tourist. But rather than seeing the sights, they spent anywhere from three to five to ten days doing nothing but prayer and praise to bring God on location. That is intentional prayer. As a result, and I didn't bring these with me, but as a result, there are now numerous reports of dreams and visions coming out of the Muslim world and even major healings, miracles, because they will not believe otherwise. But God wants his people to pray. I would that you would always pray and not to faint. It is to be the intentional focus of our life. Now, I hope that I can say what I need to. They prayed for that time, and they had, that's the second time, and they are planning a third time. Last, uh, in November, in December of 94, there were 600 religious leaders that met in Florida and spent three days not in listening to singing, not in listening to preaching, but I'm talking about the big names of the religious world were called together by one man who fasted 40 days and they went and the biggest preacher's names in the world the biggest writers, and they spent three days fasting and prayer, and nobody talked over 10 or 15 minutes, and they were back on their knees praying for three days. They're doing it again in November. I have a reason for telling you all this. There are now over 50 groups in just our nation alone who have on their letterhead Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 50 groups. There are hundreds of prayer ministries around our nation and around the world. There are also now over 50 of our university campuses that have had massive revivals of repentance. Now, you may say, well, bless God, they need the whole truth. Well, I agree 100%. But it just seems to me I remember reading that repentance was the first part of the whole truth. Dr. Orr has also said there has never been a major revival movement that did not start on a campus. And we have 50, over 50 universities. I was at Wheaton last summer. Wheaton is a very religious place, but a very conservative religious place. And the students 
did it. The faculty did not do it. But one person was praying and became convicted and in a chapel service, and it happened all over the all over the universities, would come forward and repent and confess of the things that they had been doing that they knew they should not be doing and calling themselves a Christian. And when that happened, it was like a volcano eruption. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students would come forward and they spent all night in prayer. They brought out their records. They brought out all kind of stuff that they thought they shouldn't have and burned them just like in the book of Acts. Now let me tell you what else is happening on our university campuses. On those campuses, the university campuses of the United States, the top 3% of the world's intelligentsia is there. That means that the top 3% who will go back and rule the world are on our campuses today. I'll give you an example of what happens. Bhutan, is that how you say that country? No, no, it's Bhutan. I, I checked it. it. But is that how you say it? Bhutan? Bhutan has been a uh, Buddhist country for years, totally closed to the gospel. And uh, now a younger man has come into leadership. He has changed the constitution and opened that nation to evangelism. Do you know why? Because when he was a university student, a Catholic and an Episcopalian were kind to him and influenced him. And his brother, his own brother, was the first Catholic priest ordained ever in the history of that nation. Prayer needs to be intentional. We need to pray in specific places. The greatest mission field in the entire world is the university campuses of North America. Because you will affect the entire world by touching just a few foreign students there. There is no end to what it can do. So there is, there's a lot of people that are doing this. And they are, they're intentionally, now there are missionaries, student missionaries between campuses going to another campus to tell about what God did for them on their campus and brings a revival there. It is intentional praying, praying with a purpose. Now, just, just to calm any fears, I know that these people that have all this on their letterhead and these people that are doing a lot of these things, believe me, I know they do not have the truth as you and I understand it. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. I know that Jesus heard the prayer of a thief. And I know that he heard the prayer of a publican and a Pharisee that didn't have much to say in his prayer, but except about for himself. Now, while I'm digging up ground, y'all going to be glad when Sister Mangan gets up here. She's not going to let you off very free, though, I'll tell you. I am grateful for the prayer that has increased in our own ranks. Last year at General Conference, we had a wonderful prayer room Wonderful response of prayer. We have now established, Sister Mangan was there last week, we have now established through the network of prayer a beginning for our chain of prayer at World Evangelism Center. I don't know why we haven't done this before. All I know is when God starts moving on people in a way that they have not been moved on before to pray, he's getting ready to do something major. Yeah. 
and we better be listening with attentive ears and declare that we will become intentional prayers, praying for an intended purpose. But now, you know, and this may sound negative, but uh, brother, brother Jerry, if I'm not doing right, would just whisper, whisper to me and I'll sit down. I think it's important uh, for us to know what is happening. Now, I'm not here to condemn us. I am here to tell us that we who have the truth, if there is going to be any people in the world that is going to respond to the spirit and the movement of prayer in the world today, we are going to have to do that. We are going to be held more responsible and we know more. But you see, when you've known something so long, sometimes it can become so old hat to you that you can just kind of slide through it. And along comes a Gentile out there that's not ever had a whole lot, and they can get very grateful for what little crumbs they get from the master's table. There are conferences. I'm saying this carefully. There are conferences, and I have attended them as an onlooker and to learn where there are people who go for one intention. And that intention is to pray. I have been in conferences where powerful people never once went and sat down to hear a speaker. They never entered into the auditorium praise. They never heard a special song because they intended for that, that meeting to be moved by prayer. And so they gather in prayer rooms. Now, you, you may say, well, that's kind of modern. Oh, no, this is very old-fashioned. I remember the early revivals when over behind the piano or over in a grove beside the, the uh, what's that, the brush arbors, there was a group that prayed and prayed and prayed. They came before church and they prayed, and they prayed all the way through church, and they kept praying, and then when the altar service came, they came and joined forces with those who were praying for the ones in the altar. That's old-fashioned. Groves meeting, Sister Mangan said. Billy Graham has had a group of people one woman is his, his first number one intercessor. He never goes to a city, never goes to a city without this prayer force going ahead of him. And when they get there, now there are other people that go and go in and organize, but these people go and they pray 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 and they pray. We like to come and enjoy we come to a meeting to enjoy and be blessed. How much more blessing do you need? You know, now, don't misunderstand me. I need God's blessings. I need them desperately. And I will continue to need them. But I want you to know that there's a whole lot more I need to be doing with my life than just running after blessings. I need to have some intentions of what I am going to do. How many of you men have sat and felt the struggle of a pastor when he was preaching? 
Maybe you knew there were strains in the church and there were problematic situations, or perhaps you even knew that he himself was not feeling well, was going through a personal battle, and you just sit there waiting to be blessed. We're talking about serious, intentional prayer. Prayer is not a grocery list. It is not something that you go to the big white throne and get your order filled. Prayer is a relationship to God. It is bringing the power of God in contact and on location to do the intention of God. But it will not happen until we dig in and pray. Now, I'm just talking to you about the very practical side of prayer. Is prayer important in the world today? It is majorly important. The Gallup poll revealed that 96% of Americans believe in God. 42% of them attended church last week. Nine out of ten pray. Four out of five believe in miracles. 90% of teenagers believe in angels and their relation to life. And 72% of Americans say their religious faith is very, very important to them. And I'm going to hurry through now and just hit some high spots. Prayer is becoming so dominant. Prayer is becoming so focused that I don't want us to just rest on our laurels because we have been a prayerful people. We can be outstripped if we don't heed the sound of the times. There is a call to us. God will hear us, but he's not going to hear us till we call. And he will respond, but we've got to intentionally ask for God's interventions in where we need him. There are now 130 documented medical studies, and uh, some of you have read this. It's even been in your papers, but they did, a, they did a, a test where they divided 300 heart patients in California and assigned half of them to prayer groups that did not know the people. They only knew their name and knew their condition, and they prayed. The other half got no prayers. It was remarkable what happened. The half that received prayers from people they didn't even know from other parts of the country, but who promised to intentionally pray every day for healing to take place in that heart patient had remarkable change from the half who received no prayer. Larry King Live has done a special on prayer. CBS Morning News has done a special on prayer. Ladies Home Journal has had many articles on prayer. Family Circle Magazine, the sports page. Reggie White with the Green Bay Packers. I don't, I'm not a sports person, don't even know what he plays or what he does, nothing about it. I just know what happened to him. He had a major miracle healing and he announced it to the whole world and the sports page as well as the front page and the TV and radio news carried the news that prayer worked. But Reggie White was not healed because he went home and said, well, I hope somebody thinks to pray for me. There was intentional prayer. And we are going to have to respond to that. We, and we are going to respond to that. I believe that with all my heart. We are going to respond to that. I have so many things here that I would, would like to take the time, but I'm not going to take the time with all of it. But I want to give you just a few more things. Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 6, 
I want you just to look at those things, or you can put it down and, and go back and check them later, but Acts chapter 4, brand new disciples, everything was going great. They were just, woo, man, they was having a great time, and all of a sudden the world turned against them. They got beaten half to death, and they prayed. And they didn't say, bless us, Lord. Help us, Lord. You know what they did? They said, God, according to your word in the book of Isaiah, you've got everything in control. And the psalmist said that even the heathen rage, and you know how to control the government, and the government's giving us trouble. Now, will you stretch forth your hand and by power show signs and miracles and wonders that we may be boldly speaking your word? That's what you call intentional prayer. Acts chapter 5, greediness invaded the church. And you may not find the word prayer, but believe me, there was prayer going on because you don't have signs and wonders without something happening in the spiritual world. And after all of that, the problems turned their, their addition to the church into multiplication. Chapter 6, murmuring in the church. And they go to prayer. You know, I'm afraid that we're just wearing ourselves out, me included. I'm part of the committed generation. We work and 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 we plan and we plan and we advertise and we advertise and we practice the choir till they're dead tired and we make the musician go over it over and over and over and we get it all together and we get our agenda done and we get it all done and we pray maybe three minutes in the beginning of a service. And we rush home, and if you're going to sing a song that night, and I believe in doing it right. Believe me, I believe in practicing. Don't get up here and say, I'm just going to do my best for God. Practice. Know what you're doing. But where is the priority of prayer amongst all of our busy religious life? If you've got to teach, you will spend time studying. But where is prayer? I'm talking about intentional prayer. Now, this, this may not be doing a thing for you. I don't know. But intentional prayer. Thank you. I just want to, I just want to kind of refocus what we're supposed to be all about. You know, we're supposed to pray about everything. Pray over your children. Pray about your finances. Pray for your neighbor. You meet somebody in the store and they're telling you a bad, sad tale, pray for them. I mean, it's going to do a whole lot more good for you to talk to God about it than for you to talk to them. So let's start doing some intentional, intentional praying. I love Acts chapter 12. It opens with Herod in control. The whole world, the church is just shaking in fear. Uh, James is killed and gone to heaven. Peter's in prison, and the whole church has just stopped. So what did they do? Well, they went to Shoney's. And they got around a bunch... Now, wait, just listen to me. They got around a bunch of tables, and they had their coffee cups, and they started saying, what in the world are we going to do? Who is going to take Peter's place? We don't have James now. Oh, my God. What do you think? Well, maybe we ought to get a committee together, and let's think about this. They went to prayer, folks. They just went to prayer. And when they got through praying, Peter was out of prison, Herod was dead, and the church moved on. And that happened in one short chapter. Now, we will let troubles and problems 
problems and disturbances and murmurings linger around our churches for months and years. When if you strong men would rise up and say, hey, I feel the hand of the enemy in this. I am going to intentionally set my sights on God and I'm going to pray. And if some of you who are leaders would be as quick to gather a group and go to the prayer room as you are to go to Shoney's. The early church took, they took praying very, very serious. Very serious. Now, I, there's so much that I could go on and say, but I, I want to, as a couple of more things, unless I think of something else. But I, I want to bring to your attention. And one is, uh, we have been pushed so, so much in the last few years. Uh, and I will forever be indebted to Sister Mangan for her urging me on and for praying with her one time. And my life has never been the same. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If you are struggling praying, you put yourself close to somebody who is covered with a spirit of prayer Amen. and go to prayer with them a few times. Yeah. And that same mantle of prayer will fall on you. And then as a husband, would you please take it back into your home and pray with your family under an anointing and pray with them and cover them? Sister Mangan not only has taught us to pray, but she and Brother Mangan have pushed us forever to get out and win souls. And here I go. <laughs> I got one guy over here. Man, I like you. I wish you'd follow me around everywhere I go. Some places I speak at, you'd scare them all to death. There was an experiment, and some of you have heard me tell this, but it, is, it was done very scientifically. I talked, to, I talked to one of the men. I was in Washington yesterday for the day of prayer, and I talked to one of the men that was involved in this just yesterday. But in Medellin, Colombia, which is the head of the drug wars of the whole world, you know I mean, that's drug lords are there. Uh, Dick Eastman and another group went in there to try to do something to change the climate of that area. So they decided that they were going to go to every home in Medellin, Colombia. Now, that's a lot of houses, folks. It's not a small town. They set out to do it. Now, did they organize? You better believe. They broke that city down into this area and this area and this area and this area and this area. They had all their materials. They trained all of their people. But before they went to offer a Bible study, they had another group that was priority. They set their prayer people first. Now, is this where we're missing it? And every area of that city had a prayer team assigned to it, every area but one. They did not assign prayer people to one area. When they went with the Bible studies, in the areas where they had sent no one, or in the one area where they had sent no one to pray, only 10% of the people responded to the Bible study. Where they prayed first of all prayer, 55%. Now, if you're worried about doing a Bible study and afraid somebody's going to turn you down, 
You're going to teach them a 12-week Bible study? Why don't you pray 12 weeks? Go stand in front of that house and pray for 12 weeks. Walk around that block and pray for 12 weeks and see what God would do. But the problem is we want to go in and do our thing and then ask God to bless it or help us. First of all, prayer. Prayer has got to become intentional. It is not an implied thing. It has got to become intentional. We enjoy preaching because our preaching's the best. We love our singing because it's the best. We love our worship because it's a high time. But you can announce a singing or announce a prayer meeting and you know who's going to get the biggest crowd. Now, you know, I know that's just people and I know that the majority are never going to change. But I'm looking at a group of men today who have the ability. You have been hearing it. And just as I have been talking about intentional, if you ever let prayer find its priority, it is going to be intentional on your part. You will love prayer as you pray more. You will learn to pray better as you pray more. But we cannot just be sitting around in the house enjoying everything when the harvest is out in the field. That's where you're supposed to be, and you're supposed to be the ones out there getting it. We love each other. We love to spend our time together, and, and, and I think that's wonderful, but that's not what it's all about. Amen. Now then, uh, one more thing. Have you ever listened to our prayer request? Sister Mangan's tucked her head. She's embarrassed. What are our prayer requests? Toes and fingers and ain't suing Uncle John. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. If I am sick tomorrow and you're here, I'm going to call up here and say, have them pray for me, please. I'm sick. But that's about the farthest extent we go. Who prays for the street children in the Philippines? Who prays for the children who in the Latin American countries are shot down like gangs because they are forever just roving around and they shoot them like wild animals and the children have no home, no parents, nobody to care. Has anybody in this crowd ever prayed for them? Who has ever prayed for the Muslim world where they are growing up and becoming strong and there's no witness? Who prays for New York City? Who prays for the prostitutes that are somebody's daughter? Some child's mother who prays for New Orleans. We have fewer churches below the belt of Highway 10. We have many more churches north of Highway 10, Interstate 10, fewer down there. But that's where the most of our people are. I'm talking about intentional praying. Who, who intercedes for these things? What about the missionaries? Oh, I pray for the missionaries. Bless this one and bless that one and bless the other one and bless this one. When they may be struggling with demons straight out of hell, they may have a child that has been attacked, they may have all kind of things coming against them, and 
You know what the Bible says? Call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. That scripture is a promise that if you will really call unto him that he will reveal the inaccessible secret things. That's what the great and mighty things, things that you know not, I will reveal to you so you can pray for him and it can happen. But it doesn't happen with implied praying. It happens only with intentional praying. How many of you regularly pray for a large city where millions are living? We have cities of 20 million people and more. Do you ever pray for one of those places? Do you ever pray for a town that has no church? Do you ever pray for a home missionary who is struggling, wondering where he's going to get the next money for the next bill or the next, next food for his family? Our prayers are so localized. Jesus said, there's no problem with the harvest. It's out there. Great. He said, there's no problem with the harvest. There's just two problems. There's not enough people out there reaping it. And you're always putting it off another four months. But let me tell you this. David Scott told me this yesterday, and it, oh, it was so powerful. He said, look on the harvest. It's great. But he didn't say, run out there and start gathering them right now. He said, pray. First thing he told them. Look at the world and it just is overwhelming. And we, we, we plan and we plan and we plan. But you know what we're doing? We're working ourselves to death without the power behind it. Amen. Now, Acts says you will be endued with power on high and that, that power that's coming into you, which is the Holy Ghost, is to make you a witness. I got a question for you. Have you ever known anybody that had the Holy Ghost that didn't, that was not a powerful witness? And, and I just, just think about that. You got the Holy Ghost. Why aren't you powerful in witnessing? I could have a roll of dynamite under my arm right now and it wouldn't cause a bit of an explosion until I ignited it. You have the power within you, but it has got to be ignited by prayer. You have the power to be a powerful witness. But it will never happen until you pray. You know, why, you know why I can say that and say it safely? He said, go tarry until you be endued with power from on high. And you know the book of Acts. You know that story as well as I do. But we rush from go tarry to go being a powerful witness. It was prayer. If we want a, re a reoccurrence of the first Pentecost, maybe we need to look at our program schedule. And instead of having... Saturday night prayer, and we start a week of revival on Sunday. Maybe we need to start prayer Monday through Friday and have one night of revival on Sunday. Amen. Now, we, we like to be apostolic, but that's apostolic. Amen. A week of prayer to one day of outpouring. And then they continued the prayer, and the prayer out, outpouring continued, but it didn't come till they tarried. Intentional prayer. Well, I'm going to close. I'm going to close by, by telling you, uh, I don't know what I'm going to tell you. I don't know whether I want to tell you. Uh, let, let, me, let me tell you that um, 
this, and I, I'm going to ruin this for something else, but I don't care. Revelation chapter 8, and I'll refer to this very quickly. Revelation chapter 8, there is the beginning, first verse said there were 30 minutes of silence in heaven. You know when that was? Look at what was fixing to happen. The prayers of the saints were about to be offered up to God. Your prayers are so powerful and so precious. Now what I want to leave with you is this. The angels came out to receive their trumpets, and they were handed their trumpets, but nothing happened. They didn't sound their trumpets until the prayers were poured out. But when the prayers were poured out and those angels sounded, when they got to that last angel, the seventh angel, he declared, now is the kingdom of our God become, now is the kingdom the kingdom of this world, whatever it is. But anyway, he said, the mystery is fulfilled. It's over with. It's finished. And then you go into chapter 12. Satan is cast down and it's all wound up. Now that's it in a nutshell. But none of that happened until the prayers were collected and the end did not come until they were poured out in that awesome thing. Now the sounding of the trumpets is very important. Trace it all the way back to numbers. They were to sound the trumpets for certain things and sound the trumpets for war. And in Chronicles, one time when they were behind and before, enclosed by the enemy, they sounded the trumpet. And that was a sign of intervention. Joel said, sound the trumpet. What did you mean by sounding the trumpet? Call them to prayer. Now, I, I want to skip from that to Matthew and Mark, the, the end of both of those books. I think it's Matthew 24. The, the disciples said, tell us what are, what are, what are the things going to happen on the end time. And he told them, you know, wars, rumors of wars. They said, but the sign, he said, the sign is that the gospel is going to be preached to every nation. That is the sign. There are signs and there is the sign. By the year 2000, in three and a half years, Almost 98% of the world's population will have the written word. It has never happened before. We are three and a half years from the world's population having the gospel in written language. It is time for intentional prayer. Because we will be responsible will go up, that's what's going to bring this thing to a whole end. And I want to tell you folks, with 170 million people documenting it by their name, that prayer is their principal occupation in life, I do not want those of us who are called by his name to be one whit behind. And so I appeal to you men today, I appeal to you men today to become intentional prayers to Pray that your pastor will find somebody in the congregation to become a prayer minister that can monitor the intentional praying of the church and help that pastor with all of these things that need to be prayed for. A pastor can't get all of this together. He's got to have strong men that you as men will become a prayer force to cover your pastor in the day of battle and to pray for him while he's preaching. Every day you should have somebody praying for him taking prayer walks in your community in your city strong godly men standing at the four corners of your city and raising your voice in praise and lifting up a banner that you're going to call this place by the name of the Lord and lift up his name so that darkness can be banished and light can come in you remember that Daniel prayed and the angel came but the angel didn't come until Daniel prayed 
The promises are sure, but we have to pray them into fulfillment. You are husbands. That is housebands. I hope that you are banding your families and holding them close as a man of God who intentionally prays. Can prayer make a difference? Can prayer make a difference? General Patton, the Battle of the Bulge, rough old warrior that he was. It's a beautiful story if you go into it full length, but I'm not. But they had been under a siege of stormy weather, winds, rain, and snow for days and days. Hitler was closing in on them. They could not do it without help from heaven. They had to clear the skies so the Air Force could come in. He sent a word to his chaplain. He said, do you have a prayer for the weather? They wrote a prayer. General Patton sent it to every person in the Third Army. And suddenly on one morning, those clouds rolled back and the planes came in and a great victory was won. But it only happened because there was an intentional prayer. Now you're not called to change the weather, but you're called to change the world. And the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Before you count up your troubles, count up the availability of prayer. God bless you. Jesus, I'll never forget. Watch it.